Hey, what up, Long Beach? We're falling into the next sports season on this episode of the podcast. That's part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post. As always, this show is brought to you by the 562.org, which is myself, JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Gardavasio. And I'm Tyler Hendrickson, sitting around the table at an undisclosed location. But rest assured, we are in the LBC, of course. Indeed, we are coming to you before the football weekend gets going. When you listen to this, it'll probably be after the Lakewood football game we're about to go cover at Veterans Memorial Stadium. Lakewood playing on a Thursday. Shout out to all the local teams. Play on a Thursday. You're going to get the full complement of the 562.org there. And then we've got a full slate of games on Friday as well that we will talk about in just a minute. We're going to do a little step forward, step back, see where the teams are compared to where they thought they would be just a few weeks into this season. But like I said at the top, we are falling into the next sports season. And we've got some pretty cool announcements to give you right now about sponsorships at the 562.org. Yeah, absolutely. We've got, um, you know, we always start with football every year, but we're adding more sports. We've been uh, able to get some volleyball and some uh, water polo coverage up. Uh, but we do want to announce on the business side of things, because we are a nonprofit, uh, we are always looking for ways to fundraise and support all the work that we do at the 562 covering sports and education. And uh, it's been a really uh, big week for us. We've been able to announce um, just, uh, just today on, on Thursday that um, Bryson Financial has um, agreed to sponsor all of our cross-country coverage uh, for the entire school year, and Aqualand has agreed to sponsor all of our water polo coverage for this school year. So all of the season previews and the game, game coverage, the videos, the photo galleries, all of that is being made possible for those sports by those uh, partners, and we're so excited to work with a couple of local businesses who, who really care about Long Beach's athletes and local sports, and want to make sure that the 562 can continue to provide the coverage to, to all the sports and to provide it uh, at no cost to our readers. So uh, yeah, guys, I'm, I'm really excited to welcome in both Bryson and Aqualand and, and want to thank them so much for their support of local sports and to help us continue to do the work that we love to do. And we want to show you that that's possible for you, your family, your business, whatever you want to promote through the 562.org, we can help you do that by you supporting local athletics. It's a, it's a give and take, but it's really all take because everybody gets something. Well, I, I do want to really stress this though. Like we are looking to secure sponsorships for football and basketball and baseball, but the interest level in those sports, and I'd probably add soccer, um, we have enough readers who want that coverage that there's ways that, um, you know, through the YouTube revenue and everything else, there's ways that those can help to pay for themselves. Um, we cover cross country and water polo and volleyball and, um, and a lot of the other sports we cover because we want to represent the whole city and we want to shine that spotlight on, on everyone. But I'll be quite honest with you, we need people to sponsor that coverage because freelancers and equipment and the website and hosting all the photos we upload, which if you notice, um, never go down, you know, when you're looking back at stuff from when we first started, all of that costs money and um, quite frankly, like I love volleyball, I'm a volleyball guy, but the interest level in volleyball doesn't support that. The interest level in cross country doesn't support that. We're still doing the coverage because we love the kids, but the only way for it to continue to happen is for people sponsoring sports. And I feel like especially those quote unquote non-gate sports. Um, so please do take it upon yourself. I know that this is our 14th year. I know we've been covering cross country and water polo for 13 years. That does not mean we'll be covering it this year or next year if people don't step up to sponsor stuff. Well, and I, I also like to add the number one question that we get, and guys, you can back me up on this, is are you covering our game? 
<laughs> where is the coverage from that game? Will you cover our school? Will you cover our team? Why didn't that, you cover this right, game? Yeah. <laughs> right. That's the number one question we get. And we'd love to cover everything. We'd love to cover more than what we currently do, even though we feel like we are giving comprehensive coverage. So we're, we've got our internship program, which we just started to try to bring in some more uh, LBUSD high school students and kind of train them up and uh, grow our workforce. We have a ever-growing group of freelancers that work with us and and so we we're trying to increase the the manpower to cover but we also need the financial side of it as well and so that's where these sponsorships come in so if you're a passionate sports fan that wants to make sure that you're seeing coverage from your particular sport or your particular school or if you have a business that would be interested in doing so we're obviously uh, still looking for sponsorships for plenty of other sports the remainder of the school year so feel free to reach out to me Tyler at the562.org. That's T-Y-L-E-R at the562.org. And uh, we'll work something out. And uh, as always, we appreciate the support of our sponsors, Naples Rib Company, Ocean Law Center. You know, can't forget them for for sponsoring everything that we do. Um, And of course, we we have subscribers on Patreon as well. So there's a lot of ways to support our nonprofit and to keep us in business and to keep all these great Long Beach uh, sports stories being told for, for years to come. One of those sports that we do need sponsorship on is volleyball, and we kicked off that season with the marquee matchup, Long Beach Poly hosting Lakewood this week in girls volleyball. It was not the contest that we're used to because it wasn't very close, Lakewood running away with it in a three-set sweep, but it was a return to the gym, a return to the feel of being at a big game that's not football, and a return of the crowd. Seeing the crowd at that match was fantastic. Obviously, that that hot RPP at Poly is always going to bring back some memories. But like having like the lower level kids just yelling at each other throughout the match was really a um, I don't know. It was like a B twelve shot of optimism. It felt <laughs> it felt like old times. Well, and you know, I mean, knock on wood, but it, this is the first week of school. The kids are getting tested this week, and things things have gone smoothly this week. You know, knock on wood, absolutely, but. You said it. I think everyone's wondering what's this year going to look like compared to last year. And that volleyball match was by far the biggest step forward we have taken so far as a sports community because we didn't have girls volleyball at all in the last school year. It was the only sport that didn't compete. And all of the indoor sports were very limited in terms of the crowd. We didn't get one quote unquote good crowd at a basketball game or a boys volleyball match or anything. So to have both sides really going crazy, you could see how much it meant to the girls you could see how how much fun it was for the lower level teams, quite frankly. Right. You know, like you just play a frosh soft team, uh, a, a frosh soft match against your rival, and that, then you go into the varsity match and you get to just, sh- you know, shout and chant back and forth at your rivals while the varsity's playing. Like, it was so much fun. Um, you're absolutely right. It was definitely, you can see that Lakewood is pretty far ahead of everyone else in the league at the moment. Um, and very excited to see how that uh, shakes out next week. We'll be covering. Uh, Lakewood, Poly, Milliken, and Wilson all next week. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's, it's going to be a great season, I think. But, yes, so much more important than the actual match itself was just that crowd and the energy and excitement. I got that same B12 shot that JJ did. Well, the water polo season is also getting started this week. Wilson, obviously the marquee name in local water polo. But we're going to get to see multiple teams this weekend as Long Beach Poly once again hosts their tournament that will take place at Poly 
at Jordan, at the Belmont, a couple different locations for those 24 teams to uh, to go at it in pool play. Get it? Ha ha ha. And then on Saturday, they're going to all go to the Belmont on Saturday afternoon and play those final games. So we're going to have full coverage of that stuff on Saturday. Make sure you get to the website. But Wilson, as you will see in the water polo preview that's available right now at the562.org, is as good as they've been since maybe we've started working here. They have got international level talent and I'm not saying that facetiously like Greg Carson went to Croatia to train with Tony Azevedo and some of the other best high school water polo players during the summer Zach Crenshaw was training with the U17 national team this summer Hank Rivers is one of the best swimmers in California he's going to Cal to swim but he's got to be with his boys he just <laughs> loves to be with the boys yeah. so he's going to come back this season and play water polo they kicked off the gear by stomping on Servite Opening night on Wednesday, 18-6 victory on the road. We got pictures of that and stuff on the website too. But that team is the type of team that can get people who aren't usually excited about water polo excited about water polo. Well, and uh, we, we look at things, I think, through a different lens and different prism than most people do because we look at every program and we look at the whole of, of sports in Long Beach. But you know how when people say, like, oh, the NFL's better when the Cowboys are good or, yes. you know, the NBA's better when the Lakers are good? It's like Long Beach sports is better when Wilson Water Polo's good, and they are good. <laughs> they are really good. And, so. you know, look, I mean, I grew up in Long Beach in the 90s, and, you know, Wilson won, I, I want to say it was five consecutive CIF championships. I think they lost two games well in the four years that Tony Azevedo was in high school um, that's where that standard is for that program and so it, it is quite frankly if you look at our audience you're talking about your legacy programs you're talking about Wilson water polo you're talking about Lakewood and Wilson and Millican baseball you're talking about poly football and basketball and track and field like that's where the history is the alums of these schools and, you know, we've seen it. When Wilson has made it to the CIF Water Polo Championship, even in a lower division, people show up for those games. People show up big time. Um, and so that's what's exciting to me is you, you unlock that history of that program when a team comes out and plants their flag the way they have. But, yeah, man, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, JJ. I've been waiting on this, you know. <laughs> as much fun as it was covering Max Irving and some of the guys that have gone through that program, there's been a ton of talented dudes in the program. This is the first time I've really been like, this is what Wilson water polo is supposed to be like since we've been working together. Well, and when we talked about it, when we were all working on the preview, you know, we all had our different teams that we were talking to and coaches, you know, from from the other schools acknowledged like, you know, Wilson's kind of on another level. And we know that it's going to be a tough, tough challenge for us. And obviously no one's ever going to surrender. You know, everyone's going to try to to knock them off in, in the more league when we get into that play. But the good thing that we've seen across all sports in CIF is with the competitive equity. There's no reason that, you know, Polly Milliken, you know, some of those teams that are challenging Wilson can't also go on a run in CIF. You know, Milliken's I mean? ranked in a lower division. As right. a, you know, for example, I mean, that absolutely, that is something that we can see now, and, and that's great. So in a, in a new way, having that sort of marquee program, whether it's the, you know, poly football that was pulling <laughs> more league teams into the Pac-5 back in the day, or now it's Wilson Water Polo, they can still be those kind of crown jewel national level programs, and then the other more league schools can still benefit from competing against them, judging themselves against that standard, and then getting in the playoffs and seeing... Wow, we can really. <laughs> we, this is this is a lot different. We can definitely hang with and beat these teams. So we're looking forward to see that how that impacts not only Wilson's ability to bring another championship 
um, back to their campus and, and add to that history, but how it can lift Morley water polo across the board. As has become a recent tradition at this point in the podcast, we just want to say thanks because we have a season to talk about. It's very important. Everybody stay safe out there. Do what you got to do in order to keep everybody else around you safe so that we can keep covering these sports because we're super excited for these seasons. Another season we're really super excited for is the LBCC football season. Long Beach City College has got some guys over there, and Brett Peabody's pretty excited about it, Mike. Yeah, I mean, and he's not the only one, to be honest with you. I, I've been covering that team since we started up Um since Peabody got there, they've been competitive on the state level. They've won conference championships. But um, he told me he thinks this is his best team at, at Long Beach. I full, full-heartedly agree with him. Um, I, I got to go out and check out a couple practices. They're loaded at every position. Every position's got, you know, Division One offered guys. Um, he has a cornerback uh, that he thinks is the best, the, you know, the, the most highly recruited defensive player he's ever coached, um, has got SEC offers that he's sitting on. Um, you know, the whole defensive backfield is loaded. Uh, and so I'm, I'm really excited. Basically what's happened with junior college is the last two years, everyone in the NCAA got an extra year of eligibility. So if you're the USC football team, would you rather your 23-year-old offensive lineman stick around for a sixth season or would you rather bring in an 18-year-old kid from high school? You'd rather keep the 23-year-old, right? And so as people have continued to graduate high school, but everyone in junior college and the NCAA has gotten an extra year of eligibility, there's effectively four classes in the LBCC football program, but also in every other junior college football program as well. So a, a really rare display of talent going to be uh, on display for a cheap ticket, uh, you know, and, and, and easy parking for anyone who gets out to see some Juco football on Saturday nights. Um, I'm really excited to see what this team can do for sure. I did like Tyler. I saw Zach Leitz, who's a, a receiver they've got, who's um, who's been offered by a number of schools. He looks like a grizzled NFL veteran. I mean, he just like he's got a full beard. Like, he, you know what I mean? <laughs> like he's out there. You see this dude and you're like, wow. I mean, they're really, really look a lot more like a, a division one NCAA team than a normal JC football team. Well, and it's been, you know, as the, as the shirt and the, the sweatshirt allude to, there hasn't been division one college football in Long Beach since 91. This is the closest we may get in a long time of, you know, because Peabody's program has consistently had division one talent year after year. And as you just laid out, Mike, it's even better. It's deeper the, you know, the kids have had more time to mature physically, right. you know, during the, the, this extra kind of wait period. So it's a larger team and, you know, the, there's just a ton of, of talent kind of stockpiled, not just at LBCC, but all the junior colleges. Yeah. And so those games are going to be very competitive. And if you're looking to kind of check it out, there's no better time to do it than their season home opener. They're at LA Harbor this weekend, but on September 11th, LBCC hosting Riverside that's always a great game between those two teams. Two nationally ranked teams. uh, Riverside's number two in the country. Yeah, as Tyler mentioned with the talent level, LBCC ranked number 30 in the country, but I think like number eight or nine in the state. That's how good things are going to be in California this year. Yeah, there's no Bishop Sycamores on this schedule. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) We'll see how that game against LA Harbor goes, but um, absolutely, you know, they are all real academic institutions. 
Um, I did say on another podcast I was on, uh, Bishop Sycamore, a fake high school, playing IMG Academy, also a fake high school. Just wanted right. to throw that out right. there. Uh, no, they're, <laughs> a fake, they're a fake high school with better uniforms and better players. Yeah, that's, I mean, the reason really IMG Academy bad. gets caught up by Bishop Sycamore is because they're not allowed to come play in California or Ohio and Texas or even in their home state of Florida because they're not a real high school. <laughs> yeah, just, just better fake people going to class yes. for them. And I believe they are. I don't think they have any 24-year-olds on the roster. Oh, I wouldn't say that, bro. I'm sure they got a Chris Winky in there somewhere. So you said you got some uh, some audio from uh, from Coach Peabody last time he went out, right, Mike? So the, you know the number one thing I've talked to Brett a number of times throughout this pandemic, um, and I, you know I think this is something that all of us experience with coaches. But um, you know Brett and I find ourselves usually on kind of opposite ends of the political spectrum on. Uh, a lot of issues, but I think both believe in service and in helping kids, and um, and I've made that clear to him. Like I'm, I'm not someone who can't see past political differences or whatever. I, I know what he's done for um, kids in Long Beach and and the number of people he's helped send to college and the experience he's helped provide. So um, this last year and a half, like a lot of things have been reshuffled in the in the country. It's just been weird because all of a sudden this guy who. I've had sometimes kind of fierce political debates with or whatever, we're both sitting there going, we're failing the kids. And that's something that we agree on the importance of doing. So the the most the, the thing I was struck most by was him just, you know, they didn't get to play last year. They didn't get to do an off-season conditioning practice for the whole school year. You know, not once in the whole school year were they allowed to get together at vets and stretch. Um, and that happened despite the fact that everyone below them in high school got to play and everyone above them in NCAA got to play. So I talked with them some about the conundrum of, you, know, you coach junior college football because you want to look out for these kids who are overlooked, but the fact that they're overlooked also meant that they didn't get a season this year. So he was pretty emotional in discussing what that year was like and how excited uh, he and everyone else are to be back on the field this year. It's incredibly rewarding just to be able to do my job again. See young men in person, be able to coach, be able to teach, be able to mentor, help with life issues. It's just personal for me and my coaching staff in general. That's been phenomenal. And you can see it on the kids' faces how happy they are to be able to compete and play something again. And, you know, it was tough because we started camp eight days late because of a couple random cases. And just you could see the life sink out of them. Like, here we go again. Yeah, yeah. And they, they, I think there, there has been and there still is some doubt, are we really going to play? And I keep telling them, guys, all we can do is control the controllables. Right. Do we show up for PCR testing? Are yeah. we showing up and working? Are we preparing the right way? Right. You know, life's always going to throw you some curveballs, and it's how you hand up to them. Do you let them get you down too low, or you just kind of battle through and, and wait on that thing and then maybe hit one out the park? Right. So it's just, it, it's, it's, it's tough. It's still a challenge. But uh, the attitude's been really good. The, the guys are extremely coachable. So. Um, I, I think it's kind of what you just said. I mean, I basically heard every high school football coach in Long Beach say more or less what you said in the spring, but they got some kind of a season yeah. to put that in in the year, whereas really you guys were – Right. And I was at Paulie's <laughs> first game over at Cabrillo, yes. and, man, I, I was like – you know, I'm not coach, but I was like a little kid in the candy store. You know, the fans <laughs> are there, the crowd's yelling, you know. Right. It was just – it was just fun. I'm really happy the high school kids at least got something. Yeah. But, again, when you're really the only sports organization in the United States that doesn't play last year – I mean, basically – It's, basically it's, it's pretty like, rough. It, you, it, know? You, you would say it was, like, the highest level of competition, really. I mean, yep. certainly for football, right? I mean, the people above you played, the people yep. below you played, and you yep. guys didn't. Yeah. I mean – 
it's and kinda, it's honestly, it, and it's tough to answer questions when you get pressed by yeah, for sure. athletes on that. So. Right. Well, and I, but I did want to ask you about kind of the double-edged sword of that because you've chosen, I know you've had opportunities to go to the Division One level, and you obviously could take just about any high school program you wanted. This is the level that you like. Yeah. It's the level that you like working yeah. with, and I know that one of the things you like about it is that these kids kind of are overlooked a little bit, right? right? So it must have felt a little bit like a double-edged sword, like this is where I want to be. Yeah. One of the reasons you want to be there is because of that lack of institutional support, but then it also basically just threw you guys in the dumpster for a year, right? Yeah, you know, it, it makes you it makes you question things. You know, um, I've been at this level in this state for a long, long time. Yeah. And just the way certain things have been handled, not being allowed to do your job, it, it was it was really tough. It took a toll. Yeah. Um, it is what it is. I'm just glad to be back out. And it creates a situation where your guys haven't been able to move up and out um you've got how, how many how many you have four classes of kids in at, at this moment like how many you know it's like it I, i've lost honestly I, I don't half the time i don't even know what day it is or what time it is or what month it is <laughs> so yeah it seems i i would guess that we probably have four because right. i can't keep track right keep right anymore. um what what kind of a stress does that place on you because i know that you you guys pride yourself on hey we don't stockpile kids you know we yeah, we, I mean, we try and get the meat off still, the bone we still didn't do that you know, we, we still didn't do that. I know there are some other programs that have 140 plus. Right. And it's just not what we stand for. Um, but it has been a little bit challenging. But again, the kids the kids have stayed loyal. You know, they had chances. A couple schools uh, to the south of us did some competing in the spring, but they stayed loyal. We didn't lose anybody. Yeah. So you know, I'm just grateful that they're loyal to the program, what we built and established here, and they they recognize what this program can do for them and the fun they're going to have playing here. Yeah. After I talked to Brett Peabody, I also got a chance to catch up with Derek West, who's a returning quarterback for the Vikings. Uh, one of three quarterbacks in the mix. That's how loaded they are, trying to figure out who's going to be playing. But um, having talked to Derek the previous season that got played in 2019, um, I, I just wanted to ask him how he, how he handled the pandemic emotionally and, uh, and what it means to him to be back as well. Yeah, I'm not going to even lie. The first, I think, like the first two months after they – initially told us that like there was going to be no season it was rough you know I think I went into like a kind of like a depressed state for like a few months and then realized okay you know you can't sit here and not do anything so I think like around what was that like around October November yeah that's when I was like okay let's get it going and then I got right to work and got in condition got in shape tried to change my body a little bit get in the weight room and you know get my mechanics better yeah and yeah just try to get game ready and season ready how weird is it i guess just being in juco you guys basically it's like four-year log jam oh, in junior college really? right now right really? so how kind of crazy is that you're just seeing it's like all the ncaa schools are giving dudes extra years mm -hmm. you guys are getting extra years so you're kind of just on pause for two years almost right what's yeah. that what's that been like it's just been a crazy wait period because it's like man i've been doing all this training it's like when am i going to be able to you know come out here and produce and show it and so, you know, it just it had to be a lot of patience and discipline and, you know, just keeping your mind right, really. I think that was the biggest battle, just keeping your mind right, staying positive and, you know, trying to see the light at the end of the tunnel. How good do you think you guys can be? I think we're, we're deep everywhere. Like, I feel like this is the most talented team that I've been on here. Uh, last year we had a very good team as well, but I think, like, this year is just crazy how deep we are everywhere. Like, everybody is great. And, yeah, I think it's really going to be a good year for us. Last week we had the chance to go around to a, f a few local high schools and sit in on their coaches' meetings 
And, uh, you know, we always like to stop by those to, to let coaches know who we are, make sure they have our email addresses, they can send us scores and updates and things like that. That's what we tell people. But really, we just know that Naples Ribco is there sponsoring those coaches' meetings with Dave Ursini driving around delicious barbecue all across the city. And who would we be to turn down an opportunity to get our hands all over, our grubby, greedy little fingers all over those ribs? The I mean, chicken. we're not crazy. We're, we're not crazy, we're hungry. <laughs> so it was nice to, to get back in there, fill our plates with delicious barbecue from Naples Rib Company. Got a little salad on there, those hot sausages, mac and cheese, you know, th- maybe a, a brownie for dessert. Naples Rib Co. has everything down on Naples Island, right there on 2nd Street. Head down to Naples Rib Company, let them know that the 562.org sent you down there, and enjoy the best barbecue in the LBC. The old sports adage says, you're never staying in the same place. You're either improving or you're not improving. You're going forward or you're going backwards. Well, that's how we're going to look at local high school football this week after we've got a few games in the bag. Are these teams going forward or backwards? Now, obviously, some of them have some things happening that they can't control, and we'll get to that in a minute. For example, Long Beach Poly should have already played two games, but they were unable to play their opener against Losinger because of COVID-19, so they've got the one game against Sarah. I'm sure if you're on the website and listen to this podcast, you saw that highlight and how crazy that game was. So think of it. From the team that started practice in the summer to the team that's preparing right now to host Mission Viejo at Vets on Friday night, has Long Beach Poly taken a step forward or a step backwards? What do you guys think? I think they'd take a big step forward if they were able to convince all the parents on the sideline to take a step backwards. Oh, oh. <laughs> big yes. um, JJ, JJ big mentioned yes. it, but I, we do just have to briefly discuss that. That's the craziest thing ever. Um, 42 yard, basically a Hail Mary touchdown with like 19 seconds. I, disag- no, I disagree. Seconds. Somebody ten said seconds. Hail Mary well, too, and I, I, I jumped to, uh, to Hail every- Mary just to convey how to everyone's was. defense. Yeah. That was a go route. 100%. That was a go route, and he put it on a dime. Yep. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. That's a play they could run at any, at any point. point. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, they score 10 seconds left. Tyler said it's 28-27. Because of the people celebrating on the field, including some parents, uh, the extra point gets moved back to, the, uh, to become a 35-yard field goal. Uh, was left a little bit short. Barbie told me, by the way, they were 100% going for it. And he told, he's told his team, and I confirmed this with a couple players, with four minutes left, they're down by two touchdowns. He huddled everybody up, and he said, why are you guys looking down? We're Long Beach Poly. We're going to go score a touchdown. We're going to hold them three and out. We're going to score another touchdown. We're going to go for two, and we're going to win this gosh darn football game. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, you know, uh, up until uh, they didn't have the opportunity to go for two because the ball got moved back to the 30. <laughs> He had it scripted pretty well. Um, so I, But listen, let's be honest. On, on the step forward, step back, uh, absolutely no question this team is a, a big step back from where they thought they were going to come out of the season. Um, this was a year where I was writing in the preview, is Polly back? That's the question that's been on everyone's minds. Um, and, you know, and I said yes, right? I mean, a lot of people said yes. A lot of people have been around the program for a long time saying, and I still agree with them, by the way, this is the best team we've seen in X number of years. Um, but they did not think they were going to come out and be 0-1 after two weeks. They thought they were going to beat Lutzinger, which they didn't get the chance to do, and then they were going to beat Sarah, a team they beat last year in overtime. Um, so, no, definitely a step back. Plenty of things to factor in there. Uh, they're down 
four of their top five defensive backs going into a game against a, a Sarah quarterback and Malik Murphy who's committed to Texas. Who also has improved greatly from when yeah, you guys saw but, him last year. But you'd probably in rather spring, have... not even last year, like months ago. Right, right. you'd sure. probably rather have two of your top five defensive backs against a quarterback going to Texas. That would help. <laughs> sure. um, so plenty of, plenty of stuff. You know, they've got guys injured. They've got guys uh, who are on a sit-out period who aren't going to come back. I think, unfortunately for Polly... Um, you know, they're playing Mission Viejo on freaking on television on Friday night, Friday 7.30. That's the Southern California game of the week on uh, what I will call Fox Sports probably until my dying day, but which is actually Valley Sports. <laughs> yeah, at this point, just call it Prime Ticket, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> right, the, on, the, it's the TV. The, Greg Biggins is on the game. That's the game it is. Um, but, you know, unfortunately for them, they've got that game. They are going to play Lutzinger, and then they're at Corona Centennial. Then they'll have everyone available in order to play the Moore League, where they have lost two games since... 1994, um, well, and, and we, it's not when you'd choose to have the full roster available. You would rather have had it for these non-league games. But ultimately, it is going to come down to what happens in the postseason, and that's kind of what we talked about going into the year. Uh, you know, schedules are structured in a certain way. You know, Stephen Barbie was anticipating that they'd play their weakest non-conference or um, non-league opponent to open the season. Mm-hmm. Then that would carry into a game at Sarah where. Based on how Polly played in the second half compared to the first half, it seems that if they had had a game the week prior, they probably would have performed better in that Sarah game, which, if they had performed better, puts them in a position to win since they literally lost If they performed so, better, you know maybe I mean? the Sarah receivers who dropped like 18 passes also would have had, you know, been a little more dialed in. Who knows? It's, yeah, ifs and buts, candy and nuts, for yeah, sure. But, but in any event, I think we can definitely say a step back from where they thought. They did not think they were going to be 0-1 at any point this football season. But they have the runway of the Lutzinger yes. game coming back sure. after this. So things have just shifted a little bit, but, um, but still so much to play for. But I would agree with the the step-back assessment if we're given that binary choice. I, w- I would agree, too. And you just mentioned it, Tyler. Schedules. Wilson, moving on to the next team. Wilson is definitely a step-back, and it's because it was unforeseen circumstances that they didn't even schedule, right? Scott Meyer, first year at Wilson, did not schedule Warren week one, thinking, here we go, this is going to be the great opener for me and my new football program. Not how, that wanted, not how they wanted that to go down, and then obviously definitely not how they wanted it to go down, getting a positive COVID-19 test in the program, not being able to go to San Jacinto on Saturday, so they're going to have to go on a short week this week and visit Huntington Beach, a very good Huntington Beach team. I think we've mentioned it before on the pod. They won that seven on. The Chargers thing at Pauly this summer. So Huntington Beach is real and Wilson got their hands full. So because of unforeseen circumstances, because of things they really couldn't control, which, heck, we're all getting a lesson in that nowadays, uh, Wilson would have to be a step back. You guys agree? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, it, it is really difficult to, especially especially for the non-Pauly teams who had probably more realistic expectations about the season, it is difficult to do forward or back just because... So much is out of their control. But I would agree with you. I don't think Scott expected to be 0-1 and and not have gotten to play that second game and and frankly be staring at a pretty tough Huntington Beach team, um, you know, as well. But just like Polly, that's not really going to define what happens for Wilson. I think the whole Moore League at this point, we've kind of resigned ourselves to it's going to be a pretty brutal non-league record for the league as a whole. Um, I guarantee you will see Bob Kaiser write somewhere about uh, should Polly be out of the Moore League, <laughs> like looking at the rest of the league, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but that's not what it's going to be about. It's going to be about who gets into the playoffs out of the Moore League, and then who can make a run. Because I think when you look at 
a team like Wilson with its coaching, a team like Milliken that's obviously loaded with talent, a team like Compton that's a matchup nightmare, um, a team like Lakewood that, you know, with Justin Otupo there is going to have a lot of energy at the end of the season. A team like Jordan, quite frankly, that has some next-level dudes for for playing in the division they're in. Really, like, a lot of those teams could make really deep playoff runs. So that league battle for second and third, I just think is... I haven't been this excited about the league schedule in in quite some time. Or even just to get to 500 so you can get an at-large in, in the division that you're you're slotted into, which, again, we don't know the divisions until, you know, But if you look the at season. the Cal Preps rankings right now, they're pretty they're much lower divisions even than where they have been. Yes. I, I mean, mm-hmm. and it's worth noting that. I mean, we have some teams who would be, most of the Moore League would be in double-digit divisions. Yes. Right. So, that's new. Nothing new at Compton where they beat up on Compton Centennial last week. So for Compton football, I'd have to say step forward because they've been taking huge step forward ever since they got on the field in the spring. In the spring, we were impressed. In the summer, we were impressed. When I went out there for the preview, I was impressed. Tyler, you were at that game, Compton Centennial and Compton, part of that Hub City Championship that uh, Compton just ran away with. Well, right, yeah, they took it and ran with it because they had the three pick sixes there in the first quarter. And then also, um, obviously, that that running game looked good in limited opportunities with the football. But, you know, that's just kind of a game to get your feet wet, you know, and it's it's a a game that's fluctuated as far as how competitive that rivalry game can be. Uh, We're certainly looking forward to the Compton and Dominguez game next week, that big rivalry to settle that Hub City Championship. But, I mean... Calvin Bryant knows knows what he's doing over there. He's a program builder, and uh, you know he's got what he needs up front, and he's got the, the the talent at running back to to make it happen. We didn't get a full look at at Compton because they were just so much better uh, than Centennial, but they're, they're going to get an opportunity to get against some good teams going into more league play, and um, you know we we think that as Mike said, they're a matchup nightmare, and if depending on what division they're in, you do not want to see Compton in the playoffs. That is not a fun matchup for you, especially after the end of the year. If you're going to be you know, tired, beat down, you might not have the strength up front that Compton has, and they're only going to get stronger as more guys um, you know, join the team and get out on the field. A big step forward for Compton and an easy step forward behind that offensive line. Absolutely. You just don't know where the step's going. Right. you got to read your keys on that one. But it was going forward. Four yards say, in a cloud of dust. Yeah. I would say we got to hold uh, our judgment on Lakewood until we see him tonight because I say an 0-2 Lakewood team could still be a quote-unquote step forward if they show massive improvements from what I saw at Peninsula last week because the Peninsula game last week was not what they wanted to show. So if they come back on a short week like that, and show improvement, I would say Lakewood is taking a step forward, but we can't know that because we're recording this before yeah. we go see them on Thursday. I, the only thing I would add to that is I do think the thing I'm most excited to see tonight is their defense. Um, they did lose in week one, but they only gave up 21 points. They are playing a 2-0 and North Torrance team tonight with a very high-powered offense. So I would say if you see under 28 points uh, on the, you know, 28 points or under on the scoreboard against Lakewood tonight, to me, they took a step forward. Yeah. If you see... Way over that, you know, North Torrance scored 44 and 35 points in their first two games this season. Then I would say, okay, Lakewood might yeah. be a year away they're, from Yeah, they're not playing with their whole their full deck yet. For that, that's for sure. Uh, we moved to Milliken. Milliken Rams, 0-2. They definitely feel like they should be 1-1 one one right now because the trip to Carlsbad, that, that's a tough one. That's a tough draw. Thad McNeil got that thing humming down there. 
but they got to feel like they should have won their opener. So would you say the Rams are kind of a step back from where they think they should be? I would definitely say that. I certainly don't think they thought they were going to have given up 96 points in the first two weeks of the season. Um, and yeah, that, that game against Santa Ana, um, I think if you talked to Romeo Pelham a month ago, absolutely, he would have expected them to be 1-1 one one this, this week with a pretty emphatic win over Santa Ana. Um, and then, you know, a, a more competitive game against Carlsbad, uh, who they lost to 48-3. They've got a really interesting matchup this week with St. Anthony, who they absolutely overmatch physically at just about every position, um, but who has a very good coach in Raul Lara um, that showed St. Anthony could compete with Mayfair last week mm-hmm. uh, a, a lot better, quite frankly, than we thought they were going to. Yeah, and I think that that, I guess we can kind of dovetail these two things since those teams are meeting. But yeah, I agree that, that Milliken's not where they thought that they would be. Uh, certainly that Santa Ana game was a winnable game and one that they let get away. But will they learn from that? You know, will they take that lesson and kind of, you know, the, the punch in the mouth they got from from Carlsbad and then go into a game where they are the more talented team against St. Anthony? They, they should be winning this football game. But like you said, St. Anthony did take a step forward, and I think Raul Lara is probably happy with the direction that they're going in, even though they did lose two games because they were playing the, the favorite in the L.A. City section in San Pedro. Then, and, and you know, it's a, it's a new coach, very short offseason, missing some key guys. Then you go in and, and, and play better against Mayfair. So can you keep that momentum going? Even if you do lose to Milliken, if St. Anthony keeps that game close, I think they'll be happy with it as they go into league play where, where the competition will be lesser than what they've seen so far in their non-league schedule. I would definitely say step forward for St. Anthony. It was, I totally it was, agree. It was, it was 23-14 with Mayfair yeah. after three quarters. I know they're 0-2, but um, you know we talked with uh, Coach Lara before the season and I talked to you guys. I mean, that's a team that they're in year one of a rebuild. The numbers are very far down. And to see them bounce back from getting shut out against San Pedro to, like I said, 23-14 going to the fourth quarter against Mayfair, gets away from him. Mayfair scores two touchdowns in the fourth. Um, yeah, I, I was I didn't think that game was going to go that way last Friday for sure. Yeah, preliminary reports. Uh, we heard a rumor that that game, that Wilson-St. Anthony game, going to be moved to Thursday next week. So that'll be our Thursday game next week because of a referee shortage. Something else we might be telling you a little bit more about later this month as we continue to cover local high school football. We've got two left. We'll run right through them because I think they're both step forwards, if I'm being honest. Jordan won a game, and they did it in dramatic fashion, and they did it at home. So I said the Jordan team that started this this season and the Jordan team right now, they've taken a step forward because they saw what can happen if they believe, they buy in, and they fight till the end. Because they did all of those things against Kennedy on opening night, and they got themselves a dub. They definitely thought that they were going to win that game. And so it's a, it, for me, having talked to them before, it's a little bit harder to say like definitive step forward. But for me, for my assessment of them, absolutely a step forward. Um, just based on the memories of that night and the way they came out of the gate. Um, like yeah, they, they, said, they thought they were going to win a lot of games they've lost over the last few years. No, uh, yeah, absolutely, 100%. And they not only won it, but they won it in such dramatic fashion by a single point um, on stopping a two-point conversion try at the end of the game. Um, st- you know, that Polly Sarah game was crazy, but Jordan Kennedy still, for me personally, probably the game of the year. Just a wild game back and forth the whole time. And uh, and I thought they showed, I agree with JD, I thought they showed a lot in that win. And it was the whole roster that did it too. Hey, only, only two of the teams that we cover have wins at this point in the season. So how can you say that Jordan hasn't taken a step Compton, forward Compton and Jordan, by no being doubt. one of those teams? You know what I mean? So props to the Panthers, um, and we'll, we'll see if they can, you know, 
make some more memories the rest of the season, get get some more wins. Last but certainly not, not least, Cabrillo football. Cabrillo football is playing games. Cabrillo football is a thing. It's a huge step forward. And, yeah. End of thought. Straight straight up. That's that's where we're at. You, you, you're, it's based on the reality of the situation, the expectations. They weren't able to play in the spring. They're playing football games. Step ha- forward. That's a, a step pretty, forward. It's a pretty big step forward to have Flat played out. two football games this year when you played zero last year. Yep. Shout out to head coach Shane Gonzalez and what they are doing over there on the west side. We will continue to give you updates on everything Long Beach football and really everything Long Beach sports at the562.org because that is just what we do. Shout out to all of the sponsors that we mentioned at the top of the show, including Ocean Law Center. Stick with us as we get into these other seasons that we already mentioned, like volleyball and water polo, and let us know what you guys want to hear about on the next episode of What Up Long Beach. We will see you in the stands, everybody. Take care. Peace.